Well, I am certain that most of us are familiar with like AirPods, these little wireless uh, headphones that you can get to pair with your cell phone. And most of us know how they're supposed to be used. But what was hilarious was my son sent me a picture of my grandson. He's two. And he was trying to put these in his ears. And here's what happened. And so you can take a look at this. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't get that quite right. Uh, I mean, that's what happens when you're two and you don't understand the design or the purpose for the headphones. Uh, you just put them in any old way. And it really doesn't matter. It's kind of cute when you're two. But what if, instead of headphones going in backwards, what if we got the purpose for life all wrong? And what if we lived it backwards? Well, that would be a terrible thing. In fact, today I want to talk with you about that because you know, to wrap up this three-part series that we call Paramount, one of the paramount things, one of the most important things for us at Centerpoint is that we embrace the purpose that God has for our lives. Because we don't get that right, we're going to live it backwards. And the headphones don't work if you put them in backwards, by the way. Uh, and life won't work if we don't get this right either. So today I want to talk with you about that. In fact, inside your bulletin, you'll find on your outline there, you'll find the first point is that we were made by God for his purposes. And if we don't understand that, we're going to get it all backwards. And we're going to try to make things work in a way that was never intended. Proverbs 16, 4 says, the Lord has made everything for his own purposes. And Romans 11 reminds us that everything comes from him, exists by his power, and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. So everything exists by God. He's the one who holds the whole universe together. He's the one who designed us. And in the Bible, he tells us how he wants us to live. And today, we're going to be reminding ourselves of five purposes for our lives that are guaranteed to satisfy us. But before we get there... It's important to also remind ourselves that we won't find meaning and purpose in anything else. We won't. We're designed by God for God and for his purposes. And we try to do things a different way, it always ends up going south. Listen to what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 2. I also tried to find meaning in building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks and I filled them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I also owned large herds and flocks more than any of the kings who lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women. I had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I'd worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. It was like chasing the wind, and there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. That could be something you'd see posted on Instagram today. I mean, that describes so many famous and wealthy people around the world running after all kinds of possessions, all kinds of pleasure, it's meaningless. And they go in, in and out of one rehab center after another because there's just no meaning in life. Well, the Bible tells us, well, that's because they're looking the wrong way. In fact, listen to what David said in Psalm 57 too. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. Could we read that verse out loud together, please? I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. I mean, you put your headphones in wrong, they won't work. Not a big deal. 
getting this wrong? Big deal. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that it is that we have a chance to talk here. That we, it's so important that we get this right. This is paramount, that we embrace the purpose for which you've created us. We can't satisfy our souls with the wrong thing. It won't work. And so, God, today I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way, and you'll remind us what truly satisfies and how we can have a meaningful relationship with you. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray these things together. Amen. Well, this, the rest of my outline, I'm going to talk about five biblical purposes for which God created us. And it's based on a book called The Purpose Driven Life. What on earth am I here for? Has anybody here read this book? Okay, you'll see hands going up. I'm not surprised. If you haven't read it, it on the back of your outline, you'll see a, where you can get it. You can order it. 50 million copies have been sold. It's been translated into 137 languages. When Rick Warren, a pastor out in California, wrote this 20 years ago, I mean, it was just amazing. People everywhere went, oh, this is really helpful. Because he outlines uh, very clearly five purposes for which we're created that will genuinely satisfy our souls. And I want to go through them with you this morning. First of all, purpose number one, we're created to love God and worship him. To love God and to worship him. That's why we were created. I mean, when we are worshiping God with all our hearts, there's something wonderful that happens. Jesus said this was the most important thing. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven: you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. And in Revelation 4, 11, we find what the angels and the choirs of heaven are singing. You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. You're worthy to receive all glory and honor and power. In Psalm 149, it says, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, sing his praises in the assembly of the faithful. That's what we're doing right now. We're the assembly of the faithful. Praise his name with dancing, accompanied by uh, a drum set and a guitar, well, or tambourine and harp. Okay, same thing. For the Lord delights in his people. The Lord delights in his people. If it's good news to you this morning that the Lord delights that we are together in this place this morning, that the Lord has, delighting, has been delighting in our singing and our worship together, would you say amen? amen? Now think about that. I want you to know that the Lord delights in you. He loves you. And when we worship him, we're loving him back. I mean, this is paramount that we understand this because then you understand why do we have worship services every week? Because this is an important part of who we are. When you and I praise God and sing his praises and give him the glory he's due, oh, we go, this is good. This is good. One of my favorite memories at a center point worship service is one time coming in, <laughs> we were, it was, it was packed and there was a worship service going on. There were people wanting to get past a woman to some seats in the middle of the row and and the woman was singing with her hands up like this. And one of our ushers was tapping her on the shoulder, telling her that some people wanted to get by. He was tapping her. She was waving him off. It's like, leave me alone. <laughs> I love that. That's the way it's supposed to be, where, man, we are just lost in wonder. And this is what our souls are made for. Chasing after more and more stuff is like chasing the wind. You can't hang on to it. 
I met uh, with somebody recently who was just despairing of life because they'd chased after all kinds of things and life had really let them down. And as we were talking, you know, I was reading them some of the scriptures we've talked about here and said, I want you to understand something. God loves you. You were made on purpose for a purpose. And when you try to put other things in the tank that your life wasn't designed to run on, it's always going to let you down. And I told him, you just got to trust in the Lord here. You're chasing the wrong things. And while we were talking, he said, you know, I've never believed this stuff, but this is, I just feel better even as you're talking. And I said, well, of course you do, because this is what we're designed for. So first of all, we're designed to love God and worship him. Secondly, a purpose, second purpose is we're created to love each other as brothers and sisters in God's family. Shane Seegers talked about this last week in our worship service, did a whole message on this, how important it is. And it's terribly important for us here. It's paramount. But I want to remind us of a couple of things one more time here, that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God loves you and me. He loves you and me so much he sent his own son to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins and for yours so he could adopt us into his family. That fellow I was talking to was so down on himself, I said, I showed him this verse, and I said, I want you to read this verse. God decided to adopt us into his own family, but instead of us, I wanted to put your name there. So now I'm going to read that verse again, putting my name in there. Listen, you can put yours in while I'm reading. God decided in advance to adopt John Schmidt into his own family by bringing John to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. You can put your name in there. Jesus Christ died on the cross because he loves you. It gave him great pleasure to die on the cross to pay the penalty for all the sins you should have died for. He took your place so you could come to him and be a part of his family. Now, this is good news. God loves me. He designed me, and he created me on purpose. One thing he created me for is to love him. Another is to love my brothers and sisters. Because he doesn't just love me. He loves you too. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, Paul wrote in Romans 8. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, Dad, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we're his children, we're his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we're heirs of God's glory. But if we're, if we're to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. We're God's children. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Take a minute right now and just say to the person next to you, one of the people next to you, just say, hello, brother, or hello, sister. Go ahead and do it right now. Hello, brother. Hello, sister. Man, the love in the room is overwhelming. That's, that's, yeah. Hello, brother. Hello. <laughs> hey, one of the things we have to work at all the time is reminding ourselves of this. We are children adopted into God's family from all kinds of different backgrounds. And just like in a real family, you got some children that are 10 years old, some are newborns. Some of us know a whole bunch of things already, and some of us are putting our earphones in backward. But we're a real family. 
And that's why this next verse is so important. No one's ever seen God, but if we love each other, well, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. When we're patient with people who are doing things backwards, showing them a better way. And this is how we help each other grow. And that's the next point. Purpose number three, we were created to grow spiritually and become like Christ. I'm created to worship him and love him. I am created to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I am also designed to grow spiritually. God wants me to grow. I said, it's cute when a two-year-old does this. When my grandson turns 18, if he's still putting him in backward, that's not cute anymore. And he won't be. In fact, what's so great when I've watched my kids grow up, I watched them do silly things like that when they were young. Then I watched them also play sports in high school, watched them go to college and graduate, watched them get married and have children of their own. And every step of the way, I've loved it. As an earthly father, if I know this is a good thing and I rejoice in their growth, think how much our heavenly father rejoices in our growth and think how much we enjoy it. I mean, you know, in your own life, when you've discovered new things and you've made new relationships and you've advanced to a new position, how much it means. It's incredible. For God knew his people in advance, Romans 8, 29, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. The whole goal for you and me is not just that we get saved and then hang around for 50, 60 years, however God lets us live, and then one day we go to heaven, and then we start growing there. God wants us to be growing right now. He designed us to grow. And when we grow, we know we're doing something important. We know it. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, 2 Corinthians 3.18, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Every day, we grow a little bit more like Jesus. We learn to let go of bad ways of thinking. We learn to embrace what the Bible has to say. We learn to read God's word. We learn to pray. We learn to be kind and forgiving. Little by little, he changes us. In fact, when people meet us 20, 30 years later, they go, you're a completely different person. Praise God. God wants us to look a little more like Jesus every day. We're built for that. Paul again, Colossians 2. And just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. Hmm. Chasing after more and more stuff will never satisfy but worshiping the Lord with glad and sincere hearts, that'll satisfy. Genuine fellowship, meaningful relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ, we know how good that is. And growing, maturing in the Lord, realizing that he's changing you. And some of those old, that old terrible temper, that old terrible tongue, that old addiction to this, it's fallen away now. And we go, oh, praise God, you're changing me. Mm, these things satisfy. We're made for this. Purpose number four, we're created to serve God by serving others. 
not just for ourselves, not supposed to just live so we grow and mature. And we're not just supposed to love others and hang out with them. We're supposed to serve others. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. One of the changes as we become more and more like Jesus is our eyes will be less and less on ourselves. And that's a wonderful thing. The more we become like Jesus, the more we care about others and their needs. This is what God wants for you and me. And it's normal and natural. You can ask any parent when they have children. One of the great things is when you get married, you learn there's somebody else in the world besides you. and You got to take care of a spouse and then and, and you learn to be unselfish and then you have children and it's grad school in that. Okay, because now you, <laughs> you find all kinds of other people to pour your life into. And every time you give more of yourself away, you discover, oh, there's joy in this. Because love always seeks the best of others first. That's what Jesus did. 1 Peter 4.10, we can count on help with this. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Well, then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Well, then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. And then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Man, God wants us to love others, serve them. He even gives us special abilities to do that. It's a wonderful thing when people discover that the Holy Spirit is working in them and giving them the ability to teach or the ability to serve, as it talks about here. It's amazing. But God not only gives us abilities, he gives us experiences, sometimes painful ones. And Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 1.4, God comforts us in all of our troubles so we can comfort others. When they're troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Remember, we're a family here. And when we go through hard times and we make it through and God shows us a lot of things about how to depend on him and how to pray and how to love through all this and hang on to our faith, well, then we're able to share with others some of the insights he's given us. Lynn Benefield is a woman who... uh, has been through deep grief, lost her husband a few years ago. And she uh, approached me a few months back because she wants to start up a ministry to widows. I want you to hear her talk about it because this is exactly what we're talking about today. Hi, I'm Lynn Benefield. And a couple of months ago, I approached John about starting a grief share program here at Centerpoint. I lost my husband in 2017. So I took the Grief Share program in 2018, and then last year I was given the opportunity to uh, co-facilitate a Grief Share program in another church. And having done that, I was able to see widows that started out with no hope, um, no joy, Um, within the 13 weeks, they turned a corner. I really feel like God wants me to lead this Grief Share program out of His abundant loving kindness towards me and towards widows. There's a very special place in the Bible. God mentions widows from Genesis to Revelation. And He's very tenderhearted toward widows. God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. He can restore a sense of joy and gladness in your heart in spite of loss. 
I never knew that I would be here, but God ordained it. And so I love the sovereignty of God. He does have purpose in our brokenness and uh, He will equip us to do the things that He has called us to do. Grief Share is a 13-week video-backed program. Uh, we have a workbook that we um, work on daily, and it's a place where we pray and we form friendships. It's so important as a widow to be able to know that you're with people that understand you fully. Joy and grief can coexist. And that's so important because when you lose your husband, you think that you'll never smile again. You can't imagine going back to normal life. And so God in His abundant loving kindness changes that thought and, and lets you come to realize, no, you can coexist with joy and with sorrow. I love to comfort those with the same comfort that God Himself used to comfort me. And that's what it's all about, is, is to have a sense of contentment even in widowhood. And it is possible to be content fully in Christ, even in the midst of such loss and devastation. Yeah, you can applaud that. I mean, I'm really proud of Lynn. I knew Tim, her husband, and I knew them together as a couple, and Lynn's been through a lot of pain. But she said, uh, when we started the year, we started a whole series. Our sermon series was, let's go. And she said, well, let's go. I've been through this program. I've assisted somebody, and I'm ready to step up and lead it myself. Oh, that's what we want for everybody here. We've got all kinds of places you can serve in this church. There are people serving right now in our children's ministry. There are other people serving their ushers and helping people find a place to park. Greeters. There are people who helped stuff this little outline inside your bulletin the other day. All kinds of people are volunteering. Lots of places to serve. And now we have, even have a, a new place in grief support. There'll be many more that come along the way. What's God leading you to do? Don't be afraid to step out and serve because when we step out and serve, this is what we're made for. Mm. It's one of those things I love again. Sometimes I have people come up to me and they've been volunteering all weekend for a special event we're having. They come up and go, thank you for letting me serve this weekend. I go, you're welcome. <laughs> they picked up chairs and hauled trash and did all kinds of things. And they go, oh, I'm so glad I'm here. We're made for this. Don't miss it. Fifthly, purpose number five, we're created to make disciples and tell others about Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, I want you to go and make disciples everywhere. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach these new disciples everything I taught you. And I'm going to be with you at the end of the world. He also told them in Acts 1.8, he said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. This is God's desire for you and me. And it is a wonderful thing if you've ever had the chance to share your faith with somebody else. It's an amazing feeling. You go, that was the most important thing I could have ever done. Like the woman worshiping. Like the man serving. Like people finding a deep and abiding friendship with a brother and sister in Christ. It's like, oh, these things satisfy it's because that's what we're made for. 
This same good news, Paul loved telling people about Jesus. Here's why. The same good news that came to you, he was writing the Colossians. Remember when I told you about Jesus? He said, well, the same good news that came to you is going out all over the world, and it's bearing fruit everywhere, changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Man, changed lives. When they confessed their sins, surrendered their lives to the Lord, their whole life changed. Why would we keep that good news to ourselves? We can't. I want people to experience the same good news I have. The same relationship with Jesus, the same satisfaction in serving and worshiping. I want them to know all that too. And it's very important here though to explain this. Our staff exists to equip people in fulfilling all these purposes. You're not the studio audience watching me and our staff do all this stuff. There was a fella a few years back We'd been talking about serving at the church. We'd gone through a whole lesson just on serving here on a Sunday morning. He came to see me a few days later. He said, look, no offense, but, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, and I've started a business myself, and I've never, I heard what you said on Sunday at your church and all that, but he said, you know, in my business, I don't ask the customers to do my job, so why are you asking the customers to do your job? I said, well, first of all, I take offense. Okay. <laughs> Secondly, you're dead wrong. You don't know my job at all. And I read him the following passage, Ephesians 4:11. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's my job. My job isn't to go out and tell everybody about Jesus while everybody else goes to the lake. My job and the job of our staff is to equip all of us to do it together. Because there are going to be people you'll have conversations with I'll never meet. They wouldn't give me the time of day if I did meet them. But you'll have a chance to speak good news. You'll have a chance to serve them. You'll have a chance to teach them and help them grow spiritually. You'll have a chance to help them come to worship and learn to worship God. You will. My job and our staff's job is to equip you to do that. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we might be mature in the Lord, growing, remember that, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Read it to the guy and he goes, hmm, I see that I was wrong. Went, you see correctly. Okay. <laughs> you are not customers. We're a family. I'm an older brother. For some of you, I'm a lot older. But anyway, I'm an older brother. I'm here to help you. That's what we do together. If we do these things, worship God serve others, love them, grow, tell people about Jesus. Life gets so rich and so much fun. This is what he wants. Can we have a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. It's a wonderful thing. I thank you that you allow us to tell others about Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you allow us to 
come to you. If you're here today and you've never made a decision for Jesus Christ, you've never come to him as your Lord and Savior, and God was pulling at you today, would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, I want abundant life. Lord, I've been chasing after all the wrong things and I'm not satisfied. Lord, I want a relationship with you. I want to be content. I want to have joy. I want to have purpose and meaning in my life. Forgive me of my sins. They're many. I give my life to you. Lord, would you fill me with your love and with your spirit? And would you change me? I want a changed life. Thank you for Jesus. Now, if you've been a Christian for a long time, but as I was speaking today, you realize I haven't been serving anybody. I haven't been sharing my faith. I haven't been growing at all. I've just been marking time. And God spoke to you. And you know he spoke to you. Then you pray with me now. Father, I heard what you were saying. And I thank you, Lord, that you reach out through your word. You reach out through people who stand up and teach your word. And I thank you that you spoke to me. And God, if you give me the desire and the power to do these things, then I will grow. Then I will share my faith. Then I will be able to love others. God, you know all the hurts I've had in my life and you know how many times I've failed. So I surrender all my failing to you. I surrender all my mistakes to you. I give my life to you. Fill me with your spirit and grow me up. I want every single purpose you have for my life to be fulfilled. We pray these things together in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.